We front load you with what turns into a story and reality. Rich Eisen is one of my favorite people in the world. Oh my God, love him. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Salty tour. Take control. I'm, I'm giving Tyreek a shot. Just know that he is getting the ball. Yeah! <laughs> that sounds like an undefeated quarterback. Earlier on the show, Super Bowl winning quarterback Drew Brees. Coming up, Pro Football Hall of Famer Steve Young. Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford. Plus, actor Josh Dumel. And now... It's Rich Eisen. Our number two of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial here on the program. Matthew Stafford going to be joining us in a matter of moments uh, here on this show. He's going to be taking on the San Francisco 49ers in a huge Monday night football game. We just previewed the Thursday night game moments ago between Tua and Burrow, Dolphins, and Bengals, and those guys having a history together, and Tua having had his entire pro career to this date seen through the prism of the uh, immediate success of Justin Herbert and then ultimate success uh, within two years getting to the Super Bowl and Joe Burrow. The fact that he walks in as a 3-0 and quarterback, the only one in the AFC, has got to feel good for him, and it is a big game certainly for the Dolphins if they can follow up that huge win over the Bills in just four days, a short week after 100-degree weather, on the field in Miami, a playoff game that was uh, very entertaining. A de-, de facto playoff game, very entertaining. We just hit all that. If you missed it, uh, stick around right here on the Roku channel, Channel 210. Our show re-airs as soon as we are done. Hour three is Josh Dumel. I mentioned that Matthew Stafford's coming up uh, on this program in just a matter of moments. But we turn to the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line and find the subject of this week's episode of NFL Icons, which is an NFL Films produced and Epics produced and broadcast show every Saturday night at 10 Eastern on Epix. Um, it is awesome. I am honored to be uh, narrating it. It is as good as anything that NFL Films has put together. And the subject matter of this week, uh, uh, October 1st, Saturday night, 10 Eastern, NFL icons Steve Young joining us here on the Rich Eisen Show. How are you doing, Steve? Great, Rich. How are you, buddy? Uh, better talking to you, man. Um, boy. Yeah, it is just a, an amazing journey. And tonight's game, like I mentioned with Tua, his journey, and that's that's what I love about journeys. Joe Burrow's journey from from the state of Ohio, where you know right. his whole journey, and yours is incredible. Do you ever sit back and think, man, I I I, I can't believe I did that? Do you ever sit? Well, that? it's not only that, Rich. It's 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 the uh, the the the, the forks in the road where you don't really have a choice. You know, when Doug Scoville turned to me as a freshman in college, he was the offensive coordinator at BYU at the time, and he didn't know my name, and he didn't really know, you know, he hadn't really recruited me, and by November, he knew my name, and he, he said, he called me, one, you know, he's like, hey, young, come over here, you know, I go over there, and he goes, hey, by the way, I don't coach lefties. And you're like, uh, all right, well, I guess that's the end of my quarterbacking <laughs> career at BYU. And luckily, he left two months later for a head coaching job at San Diego State. And so that gave me the opportunity. Ted Toner came in, and then, you know, the rest is history. But it's like those binary moments, right, where it, he, he wasn't going to coach a lefty, that, that, that would have been the end. You know, it's like there's probably 20 of those where, you know, if it doesn't go the right way, you don't, no matter how you feel about it, uh, things aren't going to get worked out. And, and uh, so anyway, you look back on the journey, it is 
it's I, you don't want to you don't want to go back there, Rich, because you're like, wow, that is crazy. I can't <laughs> believe all the things that happened. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful for all the. Then you start to say how grateful you are for all the people that were the kind of angels along the way that kind of pushed you in a direction, the coaches, the the just the friends and people that kind of moved you along and kept you, and then also kept you from problems and get kept you out of trouble and get all that stuff you look back on uh, when you, these kind of. These kind of moments when you when you want to start from the end, uh, I completely agree with uh, how much you know. It's kind of overwhelming to think about. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, very rarely when I'm reading a script that NFL Films gives me for for anything, let alone NFL icons, Steve. Um, I'm I'm wondering if there's a typo on it. Where, what were you on the death chart at BYU at one point? Where were you? Eight string, uh, Richard. Remember, Eight. in 1980, is the only they and. Maybe Stanford a little bit, and University of uh, uh, Florida, Miami, Miami, Florida. Uh, they were the only schools that threw the ball, and we're getting guys kind of ready, quote, ready for the pros. Everyone else is running the wishbones, split up their option, uh, some version of uh, you know, kind of a option game. And so I had this crazy dream that I wanted to play pro football. I wanted to I wanted to throw it in college, and so BYU was the place to be, and they had. Who knew? There were eight other guys who also felt the same way at that time. And I was eight, I was eight because I don't know if it was alphabetical. First, I thought, oh, this must be alphabetical. You know, that's why I'm that's why I'm eight. And then I find out, no, it's it's legit. It's straight up. It's straight up legit. And all the names are still in my mind. All the guys in front of me. And and by the time uh, Ted uh, Ted Toler showed up in the winter time, and I was working with Tom Homo playing safety because they they moved me because they couldn't coach a lefty. And then uh, when he showed up and said, why, why are you working out the defense? Because you're throwing the ball really well. I'm like, because I'm lefty. He's like, well, that's stupid. <laughs> and then, uh, so then, so then spring ball, he convinced Lavelle Edwards, the head coach, to say, look, let's give Steve Young a couple weeks, and let's see what happens. And by the end of a couple weeks, I was backing up Jim McMahon as an as a incoming sophomore. So what a story, that was it. Man. And, then, and then how did you get drafted? Like, walk me through Steve Young to your drafting professionally and what happened with the separate leagues at the time and how yeah. that all worked out for you. Well, it's fun. I mean, the USFL became that year, all the owners, they, they, they got the, the, I don't know, the chutzpah, the, 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 you know, they realized that they could, they were entrenched. They had the, the, the attendance, they had the TV, you know, they were, they were a league and they could make it. And so then they went to the next thing is to try to get the, the, you know, the seniors in college, the incoming draft class and that's when they went at you know, Memphis Showboats signed Reggie White and Herschel Walker and uh, and I got I basically got recruited by Don Klosterman. I don't know uh, Rich, I don't know if you remember Don Klosterman, who was the GM of the Rams for years mm-hmm. under Carol Rosenblum and so he had left the Rams and was now running the, the LA Express and with Sid Gilman and Sid Gilman was man, he was I mean he must have been seventy years old at that time, seventy five years old, but he was the one that Coach John Hado, and he was the West Coast offense. I mean, he was the roots of Bill Walsh's West Coast offense. So those guys were recruiting me. And the other side is that the Cincinnati Bengals are the first pick, Sam Weiss. And obviously it's just a much different, you know, environment. And, uh, and he said, look, come to L.A., Manhattan Beach uh, Elementary School. Here's all these young players. We we have Gary Zimmerman. Well, Gary Zimmerman ended up being a pro football Hall of Famer yeah. out of Oregon. Um, yeah, JoJo Townsend. We had a bunch of guys, and you're going to play right away and have fun. So I did it. I I decided that. Uh, and Reggie, not, Reggie White and I had become close friends at the Hula Bowl in the All Star Game, 
And I had, my dad helped him find an agent. We were close. And when he went to the Memphis Showboats, he gave me the, in my mind, gave me the, the ability to say, you can go to this league, it's going to be okay. So that's what I did. And then you did, and then you wound up, obviously, in the NFL with Tampa. How did you wind up in San Francisco, Steve? How did you finally so, wind up there? Well, so you went to the USFL. One of the reasons why you went to the USFL is because if you didn't make it or something happened and we didn't merge, that you'd come out a free agent. And then, of course, the NFLPA, you know, I'm still kind of bitter about it, that they negotiated uh, all of our rights into a supplemental draft, and that's when I went number one to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I ended up there. Ray Perkins shows up after Lehman Bennett gets fired, and Ray Perkins tells me that he hates lefties and he hates scramblers. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is not good. <laughs> Come on. How many people are going to tell you that, Steve? Unbelievable. I, I, was like, I, I, I feel like, uh, you know, the disrespect. But that's when uh, I was traded to the St. Louis Cardinals, who was an equally bad team. And I had made a great relationship with Hugh Culverhouse, the owner of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the time, and in a trusted relationship. And he had told me, you know, three months before, you're my quarterback for life. You're the kind of guy I want to build a team around. You're the kind of guy that I want here, and that, whatever. And so I, I got the call from Ray Perkins. You're, well, you're, you traded the St. Louis Cardinals. I called you Culverhouse. I said, Mr. Culverhouse, come on, man. You know, you told me I was your quarterback for life. Now, three months later, he goes, yes, I'm so sorry. You know, I don't, I don't have a control of this guy. Well, you can't send me to St. Louis. I mean, that's just, not, that's just wrong, you know? And so he said, hold on a minute. So he called me back and said, look, I've mixed that trade. You go and find a place where you feel like you, you know, you feel good. We'll try to make that work. And that's what opened up the door for uh, uh, Bill Walsh to give me a call and come to Provo, Utah, work me out. And then after that workout, he and I were fast friends, and that's how it happened. So, but didn't you know at the time, I mean, obviously, you know Montana's there. I mean, didn't you have any reason? What happened, Rich? So so Bill shows up and says, the reason why I'm recruiting you, Steve, is because Joe's had his second back surgery just last week. And if you know back surgeries, there's no way that, you know, as great as Joe Montana is, he his back is not going to be able to make it. And so we need somebody to come in and be ready to take over. And so for me, and I told Bill at the time, look, coach, I'm 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 going to go play. Like I'm I'd rather go to law school than than sit around and watch. I'm not going to watch. So you tell me, I I don't want to wish anything bad on Joe, but if you're telling me that this uh, this is an opportunity, then I'm you know I'm going to take it. And I remember I had this great story. Uh, I, I'm sure I told a thousand times, but the first practice, I, I'm I'm out there early, ready to go, mm. and I've never met Joe Montana in my life. And Joe comes out and he's jogging, and I think my immediate the first thing I said, he doesn't look hurt. <laughs> <laughs> he does not look like he's on his way out. And that's when I turned to Bill and Coach Walsh as a coach. Uh, Joe looks pretty good, and he gave me the shrug of the wry look and smile, and that was it. And then it's <sighs> on, you know. You remember the next four years, it was on. So it was. <laughs> that's one way to say it, Steve Young. It was on. It sure was on. Well, yeah. my, because I didn't. It was awkward from the very beginning because I didn't want to back up. Joe didn't want me to be there, so it was like it was awkward from the beginning. So, um, but here we were. So we made the we made the best of it and went on and won Super Bowls and. MVPs and everything else. So when you finally won it and told Gary Plummer and that famous NFL Films moment to take the monkey off my back, the last, you know, several minutes of our conversation, that's also the monkey, right? Like, that's it. Yeah, of course. Right? I mean, especially when, you know, uh, you got now Tom Brady has been here 20 years, so we're more akin to what it takes to be seven-time Super Bowl. At the time, there was already two Super Bowls and ended up with four. And uh, an unheard of kind of success right. at the time, and so yeah, and then so the city, you get the city becomes uh, an embodiment of the success, 
And so the next guy, well, you you can't go you can't go south. You got to go north. You know, and that's why it's uh, and to this day, I mean, I think that Jimmy Garoppolo and I think Trey Lance still have to own the fact that this is a town where your Super Bowls are, you know, or don't worry about it. And uh, I think that's still probably true. Steve Young here, his uh, episode of NFL Icon, Steve Young, again on Epix, um, Saturday at 10 Eastern time. And you can stream Epix right here on the Roku channel um, and check it out on Saturday night. Steve, you just mentioned Lance and Garoppolo. And then when Garoppolo is sticking around with Lance there, it's kind of like, you know, had Montana moved on and then you were getting the reins and Montana still staying, you know, like that, that's, that's what I was thinking at the time. It's it's an an oddity. There's no question. And no one would have thought it, not Jimmy, not Kyle or John Lynch, the general manager thought that there was a chance that Jimmy would not find a home and, uh, and that of value for the 49ers and for Jimmy, it just didn't happen. And so they ended up back with each other. And now you saw last week, there's this, edge of resentment that's been built or like like naturally right you've been rejected and you don't want to take that in and and uh so i'm i'm slightly concerned about going forward with the relationship with jimmy and with uh kyle and john it's just can we can we despite all the things that have happened can we still keep you know a profitable relationship it can be tense just be make sure that it's creatively tense right not toxically tense and uh, and I think that'll be a, that'll be a fine line throughout the year, depending on how things go, because there's certainly a lot of broken glass between everybody, and you know, like like any big time, uh, highly sought after job in the, in in the world, uh, you got to be able to have thick skin, and you got to be able to you know move beyond you know the rigor of uh, the moment. So we hope that all everyone in the in uh, at the 49ers can do that, especially around those three guys. Because if they can't find a profitable way forward, then where are we? You know, and then it gets really kind of tougher. So what's the toxic uh, part of it? The fact that, you know, Jimmy took the, the pay cut to be the backup and he's now the starter again and well, making that much yeah. less? Or what, what do you got? I mean, well, what think is about it? it. Like, he's, he's 34 and 14, uh, went to the Super Bowl, went to a couple of championship games, and now they're telling him, we don't want you. We don't, we don't want you and we're going to let you go and we're going to we drive to somebody else. We're, you're, you're done. So then he has to take all that success in his mind and make sense of it. Like, why am I being released? Why am I being fired? And what you don't want to do naturally is say, well, it's because I'm not getting things done or I'm not doing my part. You take it as, well, they're idiots. you know. They're, and then people around you say that everyone's an idiot. And then pretty soon you, you listen to everyone. You, say, you, you don't take in the full measure of why you're being let go while you're being fired as a part of what you've done so you could learn and grow and you you get you build resentment and victimization and so that goes on for six months through his injury and everyone's telling him how loud can't wait to get out of there you know that's i'm glad they forget those guys you know and i'm look have i heard those words said no but i'm just saying if you think about the human nature of it you know screw those guys you'll be better off somewhere else blah blah and you start talking and thinking about that for six months and then you end up back in the same spot and maybe if you don't have those really, if those conversations to make things more positive, you, you're ending up together, remarried when when you haven't really solved the original problem. Right, and and I guess then you could also remember the good times of that uh, first marriage in the first half of that 
you know, Sunday night game in Denver. And then in the second half of that Sunday night game in Denver, it was all the reasons why they, they wanted to break up in the first place, right? And so, right. Um, and, and I guess nobody blackmailed Jimmy G into signing that contract to nope. stay put either. Nope, so he chose it. What do you think about Jimmy G's just uh, game and, and matched with Shanahan's? Yeah. Like, what do, you, so, what do you think, Steve? Kyle is an innovative, you know, people are going to come open in his offense. They're, it's a, it's a, it's a grinder's offense in a sense that it's a grinder's offense for preparation, and um, it's it's really an embodiment of, of the sophistication of what he's trying to do on the field. And Jimmy, by his own admission, is you know I want to wing it, I want to just let it, I want to be like 2017. I just want to let, let it rip. And so there's a um, and, and you know the great grinders uh, on the data through the years are the guys that are at the top of the league. That's Tom Brady. That's Kate Manning. Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, they grind, they grind through the data. And there's guys like Jameis Winston and, you know, these guys that love to just rhythm, you know, just let me rip, let me go. And there's highs and lows. And in the highs and lows, Kyle obviously didn't want to ride, ride the highs and lows. And Jimmy wants to ride the highs. and I mean, he wants to ride the highs. And then, you know, how do we solve for the lows? And I think that's why the, the two of them have to find a profitable way forward so that they can find that place where, hey, Jimmy, I need you to do extra here, and Coach, I need you to help me here. And those are the kind of conversations hopefully are happening right now. Steve Young here on the Rich Eisen Show. Before I let you go, let's go full circle here because, again, in your, uh, we'll see it on Saturday night on the Icons episode, and you had mentioned it a <laughs> number of times you heard, well, I'm not coaching lefties. Uh, Tua tonight, man. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know how deep you are into the Twitterverse, Steve Young, but uh, somebody um, flipped the video of Tua's uh, deep throws to make it look like he's a right-hander. And I'll be honest yep. with you, I was way more impressed when he was throwing a right-handed. <laughs> and I know I'm talking to you here after what you said, uh, but there is a bias, right? Uh, clearly, uh, you you overcame it and you got a bust in the Hall of Fame. Uh, what's your advice to Tua uh, after three huge games yeah. and huge weeks? And 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 well, how viable do you think he is with this Dolphins offense to shock everybody and and maybe do it all? What do you think, Steve? This is Mike Mike McDaniel came out of Kyle Shanahan. It's the same kind of offense that I would love to be a part of, and you can see the difference, and you can see it in his footwork and his confidence in his feet mm-hmm. and how he's delivering the football and allows all of his athletic ability to come out. Now, look, we recognize every athlete has limitations, and we see Tua's. But you can see the full measure of it in the last three weeks of what he can get accomplished. And so as long as he stays with somebody who really brings out the most in him, which I think Mike is doing, Coach McDaniel is doing, then that's going to be the key. And that's why – and then as you are successful, the lefty-righty thing goes away. Like, it just does. But it's weird, uh, Rich. I don't want to leave it behind because why? Why is it? that is? It, I know there's only 10% of the population is lefty. Mm. But why is it that there are zero other than Tua – uh, before Tua, there was zero for a number of years of 64 jobs in the NFL, zero lefties. And through the years, handfuls of lefties in the league ever. And so the, obviously the bias is real. In baseball, it's not there, right? If you're a lefty, you're cool. You get paid more, and especially if you pitch. Yeah. Uh, but uh, for whatever reason, the football uh, football is very right-handed. And uh, what I could have been, Rich, if I was a right <laughs> You could have been higher than eighth on the depth chart at BYU, that's right, Steve. That's right. But it all worked out in the end, and I love watching you on ESPN. You're awesome, Steve. Uh, you're the man. Thanks you right back at you. And, at, right back at you. It is. I, I cherish that. And um, I, I, I don't know if you've seen your episode. It's dynamite. 
It's great. No, I can't wait. It'll be fun. I'll, we'll, all watch it to, uh, we'll all watch it together on Saturday. You're going to love it. NFL icon Steve Young, Saturday night, uh, 10 Eastern on Epics. Thanks for the time, Steve. You be well. Love it, Rich. Take care. Right back at you. Steve Young, Pro Football Hall of Famer, Canton Class of 2005. And again, you can stream Epics on the Roku channel. Start a free trial today. It's perfect timing. It's a great, great series. You're going to love it. When we come back, the quarterback of your world champion Los Angeles Rams before he takes on Jimmy G and the aforementioned 49ers. Don't worry, we're going to be have fair and balanced. I think George Kittle's joining us tomorrow. <laughs> but when we come back, Matthew Stafford on the Rich Eisen Show. Hey, folks, it's time for the NFL draft, which means for me, I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, I'm just not myself. You know the deal. You know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So sleep number helps me. My sleep number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs costs all in before you purchase so all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed When you become a member of Navy Federal Credit Union, life gets better. One big thing that gets better, buying a car. See, Navy Federal has created a fully loaded car buying experience where you can finance, buy, protect, and enjoy your auto purchase all from one convenient spot. Great auto loan rates being offered for you. And here's the best part. What they offer you, the pre-approval, is good for 90 days, so you know what you can afford while you shop. You can even shop for new and used cars with Navy Federal's car buying service powered by True Car. Also, you can get exclusive member savings with Carfax, Sirius XM, and more. And because it's Navy Federal, always they're available with 24-7 member service reps to answer any questions. Learn more at NavyFederal.org slash car buying. That's NavyFederal.org slash car buying. Credit and collateral subject to approval. Navy Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. The mayor of Tampa, Florida. Chimed in on Twitter after uh, Hurricane Ian made landfall about, what, 40, 30, 40 miles south of there. We're sending our best to all the water-soaked and and unfortunately destroyed communities on the west coast of Florida. Tampa does not appear to be one. 
Certainly uh, enough for the mayor of Tampa, Florida, to tweet out Jane Castor. On another note, we're doing our best to keep the Buccaneers game here Sunday. I have assured the NFL that the only disturbance here Sunday is when the Bucs kick ass. That's what she tweeted out, holding up a Buccaneers flag with the Chiefs slated to play Tampa on Sunday night on NBC. And the NFL apparently has heard from all the authorities, the relevant authorities down there, and checked all the boxes. And it has been announced that the game will, in fact, be played at Raymond James Stadium as scheduled on Sunday night. That's cool. As the Bucks are currently practicing in South Florida in the Dolphins facilities, the Dolphins are in Cincinnati tonight. So everybody kind of pitching in and pitching together, and we're glad to hear that. And tip our cap to the authorities all over the state of Florida, helping people out and trying to bail them out and certainly get ready to take their minds off of things with a game in Tampa. Uh, Monday night football is going to be played in San Francisco or Santa Clara, where the Rams and the Niners play a huge game in week number four, a game that can be heard on Westwood One. I will be sitting on the uh, in the chair, um, the host chair, pre and halftime of that game on Westwood One, as I do every single Monday night. And thanks to our friends at Westwood One, pitching in together, I bring you a Zoom chat I had yesterday with the Rams quarterback. Joining me here now on the Rich Eisen Show is the quarterback of the world champion Los Angeles Rams getting set to take on the 49ers on Monday Night Football, Matthew Stafford. How you doing, Matthew? I'm doing good, Rich. How are you? I'm doing good. Does, are you gotten used to that, being referred to the world champion Los Angeles Rams? Um, not really, but uh, at the start of a new season, I feel like it uh, changes everything for us. We just go back to just another team hunting for another one, but uh, it was definitely a good run last year. Yeah, I'm sure it was. I am sure it was. And, you know, uh, it was, I imagine, uh, a nice little wake-up call week number one where you got to see right there in front of you what what it would take to to repeat, I imagine. Is that the way yeah, you guys definitely. took it? Yeah, it was a tough test. You know, obviously Buffalo came in and played really well. We didn't play up to our standards. There's no question about that. But um, it's a humbling game. You know, this, this game, week in and week out, you look uh, across the NFL right now, you see, quote-unquote, you know, top tier caliber teams losing every single week. And, and um, you know, the parity is at an all time high. So um, it's something that if you've been in this league for a long time, you understand and it doesn't surprise you. You just uh, have to go out there and prove it every single week, really. Yeah. And so uh, what was that mini bye week like for you sitting on that game as you did for uh, for a week plus? Matthew. Yeah, it was um, you know, it's it's tough. Anytime you lose like that, you want to get back out there as soon as you can. Um but it was great for us to, you know, have some time to reflect. We were getting, um, you know, a bunch of guys back, uh, you know, kind of later in training camp. The one thing about going and playing in the Super Bowl is all those injuries and surgeries and things like that. They happen a little bit later. So it's nice to, to have a couple extra days early on at the beginning of the season to get guys back. And, and um, you know, it was nice to uh, you know come out the next week and play a little bit better. Matthew Stafford here on the Rich Eisen Show. So um, I'm curious, the play where – cup ran it in last week against arizona was that the same play in the super bowl that you guys ran on fourth and short i know it was to a different side of the field but i'm just wondering was that the play not not the exact same but a similar a similar type play yes um you know and uh it had a little bit of a different feel to it we run so many of those motions um and just kind of pick and choose our spots to hand those off when we feel like we get an advantage and really the guys on the outside executed it really well it was a great scheme um, with a little bit of a different feel to it for the defense, um, you know, from our coaching staff. And then obviously 
Cooper did a great job of executing it. All I did was just run the 200 meter, nice little slow curve and, uh, you know, get in the front pylon. You know, I, I asked him this prior to the home opener, you know, on Westwood one in the same spot that we're talking right here prior to your Monday night game. And I asked him about that play because you had kind of given me a little bit of a heads up on it when you were on the NFL network set prior to the schedule release show, when you were kind enough to be the guest to kick that all off. And he gave me his perspective on how that play was born and almost never happened. And then obviously got uncorked at the biggest moment of your lives and careers on a football field. Can you walk me through your perspective on, on that big fourth and short play? Matthew? Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of, a lot of hours put into that play and um, you know, some of them prettier than others, you know, there were some, some attempts in, in, um, you know, in practice that didn't go our way. We're trying to figure out, hey, are we going to be on my cadence? Are we going to be on the silent cadence? Are we going to be this, that, and the other? And uh, just trying to figure that out, time it out as well as we possibly could. Coop and I spent a bunch of time talking about it and and uh, came to Sean and we're like, hey, we feel really confident that if you call this thing, we'll be able to get the thing done. And and uh, the timing and the, um, you know, the feel of that play that we were able to uh, to get done really helped and, and obviously in a huge moment in a big game. Did McVeigh at, at one point say, because Cup made it sound like McVeigh's like, forget it. You guys aren't going to get it. Let's just take this out of the playbook and forget it. Did that happen? Yeah, there's, you know, there's points in the week sometimes where he's like, hey, let's, let's save this, shelve this for another time. We got enough, we got plenty of other good stuff. And, and that's part of being a great coach too, is knowing when to, when to pare down and then when to trust your players. And, and he's got a great feel for that. And he was able to trust us on that one. And it was one that he felt strongly about. Um, we just needed to find out how we were going to execute it the right way to make it come to life. And once we figured out how to execute it the best way, it uh, you know, worked out for us. Yeah, and so what was it like from your perspective then for him to then, after that whole play's birth and then very, I guess, choppy maturity, uh, yeah. to get that call in your headset, let's do that one at that moment? Yeah, I mean, I, I had a feeling it was going to be a short yardage call in the game. You know, I didn't know yeah. it was going to be fourth and one on our own, you know, our own side of the 50 in the, you know, in the final minutes, but uh, it worked out. That's part of what makes him great is his ability to trust his gut in those situations and and uh, trust us, us players to go out there and execute it. And we were able to get it done. And, uh, um, it, you know, it, it makes all those hours and all that time you put in um, working on something when it comes to life like that in a big moment, it makes it all worth it. So um, when I spoke to Cooper as well earlier this year, I asked him since I knew you wouldn't you know, pound your chest a little bit about what winning the Super Bowl meant to you in your career. I asked him to speak for you, and he did. By the way, he spoke very kindly of you. So I'll now ask him, ask you about him. He won't pound his chest, too. But a kid from Eastern Washington, nobody really thought could amount to much collegiately, let alone professionally, is now uh, a Super Bowl MVP uh, and, and a guy who is a triple crown winner and not your first, by the way, professionally, to be on uh, the throwing end of it. What about Cup and what he's become and your relationship with him, Matthew Stafford? Yeah, I've spent, uh, you know, as much time with him as I have probably any teammate in my career. Um, I have unbelievable admiration and respect for how he goes about his um, his daily business, the way he carries himself as a teammate and as a player. Um, he's ultra talented. Um, people kind of want to look at all the other things that he does so well you know whether it be the blocking or the teammate stuff or this that and the other and forget to look at who he is as an actual athlete and that's a pretty special athlete as well mm -hmm. um you know but as far as his career goes there's so much more out in front of him um to be able to uh to get this done at this early stage in his career I was just happy to be a part of it I enjoy 
going to work every single day, working with all these great teammates that I have, but really enjoy working with him. Sure. Um, you know, and, and those days, you know, however many, you know, we have left, you know, playing together, it is going to be, uh, you know, an enjoyable one for me. So I'm just proud to be a part of it. And I'll ask this, um, even though their games are obviously in styles different, any similarities with Calvin Johnson and Cooper Cup from your perspective? Matthew? Two, of the, two, two of the hardest workers I've ever been around, two of the guys that, uh, you know, just competed without with or without the football as, as good as anybody I've been around. And, and um, frankly, pretty similar guys when it comes to, you know, who they are off the field, really humble guys um, come from, you know, really great backgrounds where, you know, hard work, dedication, being a great teammate are all those core fundamentals that were, you know, instilled in them by their parents and, and uh, just continue to show up week in and week out, whether it be in high school, college or pro football. So lucky to be a part of both those guys' careers. Loved getting a chance to work with both of them, um, you know, and obviously have, uh, you know, quite a bit more left with Coop. Matthew Stafford, a couple minutes left with him prior to Monday Night Football um, against the 49ers. Man, it just seems that they're always there in front of you, right? This 49ers team, three times last year. Now here you are in week number four. What is the challenge that this team presents to you, Matthew? Um, you know, I think they're obviously really well coached, um, both offensively and defensively. They're really sound in what they do. They're a big physical unit, um, do a great job of running around and hitting on defense. Um, you know, I know the challenge for us, uh, just like in every single game, it always starts up front, right? They want to they want to run the football on offense. We got to do a great job of stopping it. They want to penetrate at the defensive line spot. Um, you know, whether it's in the run game or the pass game, we've got to do a great job of being the more physical team. Um, you know, on on Monday night, but uh, they're always a, a big time challenge. They've got great players. I mean, you look across the board, um, both offensively and defensively, they've got great players, guys that make impacts on the game, and um, it's always a battle. Um, enjoy going to battle against them. Um, you know, it's, it's one that was new to me a little bit last year, just being first time in a, in a Rams uniform, but, uh, you know, the rivalry has, uh, you know, quickly, you know, quickly been ingrained in me. I'm sure. And isn't it amazing? I mean, you've again, been around this league so long where anything is possible that Jimmy Garoppolo is a starting quarterback there still. It's a, it's a wild, it's a wild league. It happens, uh, you know, happens fast and happens slow in some instances, right. You know, it's, it's one of those things where you just don't know. And, and, uh, you know, obviously a, a really tough injury, um, you know, for Trey. But, uh, you know, Jimmy's a, a really qualified player, man. He's uh, he's done great things for them when he's gotten the opportunity and taking them to Super Bowls and NFC Championship games. So he's a, he's a really talented guy. Have you noticed the target on the back that all Super Bowl champs have where all 16 used to be and now 17 opponents that you have? treats you as if you're the figurative Super Bowl uh, have you noticed that I mean we've gotten great you know great uh great efforts against against the first three opponents there's no question about that but uh, you know to be honest with you in the NFL I feel like that's every week I don't care who did what last year or last week um you know the the teams that I've been a part of that have been successful have showed up every single week understanding that and knowing you got to go out there and prove it in that three and a half hour window and if you don't then it doesn't matter what you did last week or last year um, the results probably aren't going to be in your favor. So, um, you know, that's kind of how we take it here and, and just understand that it is a week to week business is cliche and as frustrating as that is for some people to hear and understand. But that's that's how we have to live, because uh, that, that's the truth. All right. So a few off the map, as I always like to do with you, a couple for you before I let you go, Matthew Stafford. Um, do you talk to Stetson Bennett? 
Do you reach out to him? Do you have any reconnection with him? Uh, I don't. Uh, no. I'm a fan. I'm a fan from afar. I'm I'm not uh, one of the better Georgia alumni, probably when it comes to connecting with the uh, you know players and stuff. I, I know more of the coaches. I'm the old guy that knows the coaches now. Okay. Um, and some guys in the in the you know the front office type situation. But uh, I'm a huge fan from afar, man. They're they're a really good football team, and and they're fun to watch. And again, you just, I mean, you see what the kid is making of himself. I mean, the opportunity, because the conversation, well, you know what? He's not even in the Heisman conversation last two years now. Yeah, he's he's, incredible. Yeah, he is. He's really fun to watch. I mean, he's just a, you know, he's one of those guys that is really athletic. People don't give him enough credit for it. I think he throws it really well. He obviously understands what they're trying to get accomplished, play in and play out, does a great job of getting the ball to the right place. And shoot, he looks like he has a ton of fun, which is uh, which is half the battle as well. Speaking of fun to watch, would you use that term to describe Andrew Whitworth's television analyst career so far? I think so. I think so. We were, uh, you know, we were finishing up a Thursday practice. I was walking in to go, uh, you know, go back into the office a little bit and, and, you know, saw the TV. And I believe he was in Cleveland. Was he in the stands in the dog pound with a bunch of fans, a big bone out there? I don't know what was going on, but. Mm-hmm. My guy was in a different spot than he was a year ago. I know that. So uh, I'm happy for him, cheering him on, you know, loving that he's doing well. And no no phone calls to him based with some of the uh, banged up offensive linemen that you're dealing with? <laughs> no, 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 no. We're, we're set. I think he's set in his role. I still still catch up with him, have breakfast with him every once in a while just to say what's up. But uh, um, I think his his playing days are done. Okay. And what's the most Los Angeles moment you've experienced since moving to the West Coast? What is oh, it, man. Matthew? I mean, there's there's plenty. Um, you got one. Just some, just some, you know, uh, some sightings. I would say some people oh. that I've seen. You know what I mean? Where you're just dropping your kids off at school and you see some people that are quote unquote really famous and okay. and uh, uh, really you know interesting. 365 days ago, I'm dropping them off at a school in Detroit and wouldn't have ever thought I'd see anybody that was. Uh, you know, of that stature, but it's, it's been fun. It's been a whole lot of fun. My family loves it. My wife's having a great time. My kids are loving it. So that's really all that matters for me. Okay. And you, you've picked up on when people say, let's hang out here in LA, they don't really mean that, right? Like let's, <laughs> have you picked up on that? Have you gotten well, that treatment, that LA treatment? Have you no, that? Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, I don't have too many interactions with a bunch of people okay. outside of football. So, okay. um, but I'll, I'll use that one myself if I'm really trying to get out of something. So hold on. Let's, let's try it right here. Do you want to hang out? Let's yeah, sure. Sure. Let's get some, let's get something on the books. We'll, okay. uh, we'll hang out sometime. <laughs> it's like you were born here, man. It's, natural, right? <laughs> it's like you were born here, Matthew. You were born to be in Los Angeles. Oh man. <laughs> Thanks for the time. Greatly appreciate it. Good you luck. Got it. Appreciate it. Thanks. Let's talk down the road. That's Matthew Stafford of the Super Bowl champion LA Rams. Well, having heard that back, because, you know, I lived it yesterday, uh, having heard that back for the first time, I realized two things. One, what a missed opportunity when he called himself the natural. I could have said he's the natural. I wouldn't say you missed it. Well, if I'd, no. done, if I'd done that, then I would have extended, like, I, you know, you got to know when to leave the room. You don't know when to yeah. leave it, right? I would have extended it. But you would have made Brockman's you know, head explode. Oh, my God. I don't know if that's I think I would have made his, his, head, his head explode, but... Like what a Jewish he called himself that a been. natural. I'm like, oh no, you're the natural. Never I think say never, just, but never. You're so you. used to being beat down. Don't and do it, Rich. About it, did you miss the opportunity? And the other thing is, based on how how naturally he was, like, yeah, hey, let's put something on the books. And he's just new to here <laughs> in, in in Southern California. 
in hour one, Drew Brees said, let's get something together for pickleball. He did and say he's that. been in Southern California a long time. Oh, he knew. Do you think he means it? Nah. Nah. We, we don't. Like, I'll never play pickleball with Drew Brees. Does Drew Brees live in I, mean, I might. We do know the same people. But like, does he live world, here? But... If you would, it would be like a charity thing, like set up so oh, yeah, he's so that He's so Cal based. I think okay. down in San Diego. Because when he said that, I was like, when are you going to Louisiana? But No, no, no. Okay, he's here. I mean, right. he spends time. I, I think he spends time in both communities, but I do believe he's Southern California. California based. Okay. So it could happen. It could happen. He didn't seem like the type who would like, tell hey, you that. Hey, man, let's get some, like, so if I if I reach out to him, let's get something on the books, then, then oh, well, I mean, you, don't do that to, you don't do that in LA. You we're don't going do out that. of town. No. I got this thing. You just don't is. want to drive across LA. That's the problem. Yeah. It's not, it's, he's not LA. He's, no, 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 he's no, geographically that's... unsound. Like, I mean, unsound. he's all the way down in San Diego. Yeah. San Diego, that's, another, that's a commitment. That's a whole day. That's a whole day. A whole day. I just play pickleball here. Like, people don't even want to take two hours to have lunch. Yeah, but you can't play pickleball with Drew Brees anymore. I understand. I, love drive San Diego. I, I think like, it would be fun. It would be yeah. great. Why would I? I know. And I'm, I don't mean to go higher register. And I think it would be great. And I think he was sincere in uh, offering I don't know. you. I mean, I just heard that. <laughs> and By I'm the, the one way, who brought it up with Stafford. Speaking of picking up kids at the school line, Susie yes. told me that she saw a kind of a famous person uh, dropping the kids off. Yeah, we got yeah, yeah, that's Los Angeles. A couple life, of them. Man. I don't want to say it's, who, it's, but there's a guy who's. You know, stand-up could be in this room right well, now. Well, wait a minute. Hold on a second. She want, She asked me if I wanted to hang out. Who did? I, I asked her if I wanted to hang out. When you first Susie. dated? No, just oh. the other day. And she's oh. like, well, yeah, let's do she's it. Like, ah. <laughs> wait a minute. Is my own wife doing it to me? My wife. <laughs> my wife. Stop my wife. She hates that. Yeah, we know. We know. All right. <laughs> let's take a break. <laughs> we come back here. Hi, Suze. Salty Russ. And, yes, my top five missing pieces of the Ooh. NFL season. There's some missing pieces out there. Top five list. Come back. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. You can listen to the NFL and the NFL app on westwoodonesports.com via Westwood One Station Streams or by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports. If it's the NFL, it's on Westwood One. So Eli Manning and the Manning cast said uh, they should pay the punter $235 million in, in uh, Denver, right? That's what he said on Monday night. Because as you know, there was a lot of punting on Sunday night football. But Russ came out victorious. And then Russ was, uh, I guess, in his press conference yesterday, had placed before him the Eli Manning comment. And this was his response. Russ, did you happen to see Eli's fun little dig at you like, a little bit and wonder, A, how you respond to that? B, why do even kind of former peers 
pick on you a little bit for fun. They know you can take. You talking about Chad Powers? Um, yeah, you know, Chad Powers, you know, um, I'm three and zero against Chad Powers, you know, um, you know, listen, I, I think that, uh, you know, that it's, uh, it's part of the game man. we're just having, those guys are having fun, you know, and, and everything else. I, I have a lot of respect for Peyton and Eli and, and those guys, those guys, I mean, you know, I've always looked up to those guys, so I'm not, I'm not stressing about it. As a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, was he wasn't he the guest on one of the first Manning casts last year? And and actually, he was, he was incredible because it was dynamite. the fourth quarter when all kinds dynamite. of chaos was happening. Right, and it was three, yeah, three and quarterbacks, you were, and you were like, wow, quarterbacks like, were, like were, Russ could have a broadcast future oh, yes. in his career. Oh, yes, his it was life. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. But he does know what he was against Eli of all time. Chad Powers, the guy who he was uh, the walk-on. Of course, Russell Wilson not being in Seattle – you would think would make my top five list of, mo- of the uh, most missing pieces in the NFL through the first three weeks of 2022, but he is not. He is not. I don't know if uh, even if Russ was quarterbacking this current Seattle Seahawks team, uh, if they would be any better than one and two, quite frankly. Uh, that said, I think long run, long run they will miss him in Seattle. Um, he is not on this list. Find out who's made the list right now. My top five missing pieces of the 2022 National Football League season through just a few weeks. Uh, Okay, here it is. Number five on the list. It's kind of uh, easy to say, but we will see how it matriculates. Week one certainly did not look like they had trouble matriculating the ball down the field in Kansas City even though they were in Arizona that day. But 44 points week one is just like they're not missing Tyreek Hill. Last couple weeks, I don't know. Kind of missing Tyreek Hill a little bit in Kansas City. We'll see if somebody can emerge to take the top of the defense off in a very dangerous way consistently where you're circling that player all week long before you take on the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know. Who in the wide receiver position of Kansas City is being circled in Tampa Bay this week? I proffer to say nobody. It's 87 that's getting circled. So until somebody can start doing what Tyreek Hill did on a consistent basis, I'm going to keep on saying he's a missing piece in Kansas City. And I know I'm pissing off my buddy Stone Street by saying it, but I can only shoot you straight. Number four on this list, Devontae Adams in Green Bay, man. Look, I know they're 2-1, and one, but you can just see every now and then it's a struggle. And 12-17 to 17 was a very simple answer, certainly inside the five-yard line. And it's a struggle. It hasn't been easy so far. And we're, we're going to be talking about Rodgers and Lazard trying to be like Rodgers and Adams and who's going to be – who else is going to be there from the young kids. That's going to be the conversation all year, guys. Number three on this list – Talked about it with Drew Brees in our number one. It's Sean Payton in New Orleans. And I'm not just saying that Dennis Allen's not doing a good job as the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. That defense looks terrific. That hasn't skipped a beat. The offense is skipping that record, I'll tell you that. Didn't help that Alvin Kamara wasn't healthy against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and not playing. And then we're already seeing the fact that Michael Thomas isn't practicing in London and Jameis Winston is having a bit of a fortnight. But you, I don't know. This offense is just going to be very difficult to even remotely look like the previous one. Sean Payton, to me, is a missing piece. Number two on this list is DeAndre Hopkins in Arizona. How fast can he get back, please? How quickly can he get back? Cardinals are one and two, and they're lucky to be that. 
Week seven. Okay. And that six game suspension cannot go fast enough in Arizona. They are missing D Hop in a big, bad way in Arizona. But at least he'll come back. Number one on this list ain't walking through that door to use the Boston sports vernacular. Number one on this list is Josh McDaniels in <laughs> New England. Yeah. Fact. Good one. Fact. Fact, fact. That's a good one, man. Okay, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia will be talking about their play calling for a long time. And now Brian Hoyer is going to get there sooner rather than later. Although the word out of New England is that Mac Jones still has a shot to start this week. That would be quite the tightrope, if you will, skip. But Josh McDaniels is a missing piece. And I know I'm naming the head coach of an 0-3 team right now. But as the play caller in New England, attached at the hip of Mac Jones, just when Mac needed him, he goes to Vegas. And that's my top five list. Hour three coming up. But we're still here on the Roku channel. I almost, Chris, put Tom Brady there because (laughs) three years later, three seasons, we're in our third season there. He's he'll, he'll be the missing piece in New England until he steps back into private life. But I know that's a little yeah. bit too cute. The troop missing piece for this Patriots team this year as oh, compared yeah, yeah, to last. Yeah. Right. Well, you saw how Max potential last year with McDaniel. And he looked pretty darn good in week two in Acrisure, though, brother. They did come up with that win. And it's not Joe Judge or yeah. Patricia's fault, I don't think, that Calais Campbell collapsed his ankle no, it was the last, the last part play of the game right. it was a kind of a fluke thing but for consistency's sake when you're taking a, a year one to year two quarterback who had such a terrific year one and you're removing the guy who was in his ear all the time and somebody who was the identity of the play calling of that offense i mean there was no question and how many times have you questioned belichick with which assistant is doing what Yep. never any question about that guy and that side of the ball, and now there's nothing but. Which is why I'm putting him number one, even above actual players and an actual head coach. I like. No, I think it's very fair. Very fair. So, more on the potential of Brian Hoyer playing this weekend or not. Because Mac Jones apparently is walking around the building making it seem like he will against the Packers. Josh Jumel in studio. And what happened to that judge home run ball? Coming up.